the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. With me, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, everybody, and shout out to the siren that went by my window right now. <laughs> that siren has an impeccable sense of timing. Uh, it's really, really, it's, it's like a very polite siren. It had, to have, it had to have an opinion about RPGs, same as us. Indeed. You're saying that you're, you were wishing everybody well when we tried to record this earlier, uh, but things aren't so well in Toronto, at least from a sports perspective. Yeah, well, the Leafs are out, but I'm hearing that there's a glimmer of hope. But I hear that every single year we get we're out. Like, okay, well, we lost this, we lost the playoffs this year, but uh, next year we're going to do really well because we have a a great team and they're young and they're going to mature. And I've been hearing this story since I was eight. Like, it yeah. never stops. Me too. Well, now you're rooting for the San Jose Sharks, right? Yeah, I guess, sure. I mean, my team's <laughs> gotta out. Got to root for someone. Yeah, I got to root for somebody. But I, I meant to, speaking of soccer, I meant to be playing God of War last night. No, God of War doesn't, isn't soccer, but I meant to be playing God of War last night, but instead I played FIFA for like several hours. Oh, okay. So you, you kind of took a, a page out of Tom's book. Yeah, no, I, I went full Tom Ori, who is our managing editor and uh, loves FIFA. I think he said that the only game his the only game he wanted to put on his top 20 list or whatever was FIFA. It was just FIFA, and I think he did like the, the meme the other day or the other week with uh, the four games that like developed your like developed you as a person, and he put like three pool games. I didn't recognize any of them. I've never played Tom and FIFA, believe it or not. Really? I'm surprised. You should. You should play together. But it's different time zones, like very different time zones, now that I think about it. Holy crap. I proposed it, but he seems afraid of being beaten. Ah, ooh. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm telling you, Tom Ori, he's afraid. There's fear oh. in his heart. There's a, there's a lot of hot call-outs today in this episode, and we barely started. I, I literally was like, yeah, Tom, let's play FIFA. And he's like, I'm not very good. I'm like, <laughs> the point of FIFA is to play against one another. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. Does he only play single player? I don't know. Maybe he does. But, yeah, no, I played FIFA, and I played Super Robot Wars V. And, in fact, that will be partially the topic of this week's podcast, which is... So, you're interested in playing Super Robot Wars, eh? Well, where should you start? <laughs> should you start with Super Robot Wars X or Super Robot Wars V or some other game? It's a mystery, I don't know, but maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. And also a little bit about the series in general. I don't know if I've actually covered mm -hmm. Super Robot Wars in this podcast. I know I've talked a lot about Gundam, SD Gundam G Generation Genesis. I've talked about that for like a month, but Super Robot yeah, Wars, not so much. You've talked a bit about like playing individual games, but never so much about what the series is about and, and mm. where you should start. Definitely not. Yes. So perhaps this is a thing we're going to talk about. But before we get to that, uh, so a little bit of RPG news. Chucklefish announced the partnership with a small studio. I guess they're, Chucklefish is going to be publishing a game. Yes. And this game is called Eastward. Very pretty looking RPG. Yeah. Um, I wrote it up on the site, so you can go ahead and, uh, well, by the time this podcast is up, it'll be a few days old, but you can find the write-up quite easily, which also contains the trailer. And, uh, yeah, it's a very, it's very much tones of the Mother series, spe uh, specifically Mother 3, but it's also its own, like, thing. Like, I'm kind of wary of games that are, like, that try too hard to be a Mother game, uh, or a Zelda game, or any specific... Or both! 
<laughs> or both, yeah. But no, it actually, uh, the sprite work is incredible. Uh, just if you watch the trailer, you can see how animated the, the characters are. That's barely like a couple of minutes of, of gameplay uh, footage. It looks really, really nice. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, unfortunately, it's only PC and Mac. Uh, it's, Chucklefish said that they are considering consoles, uh, so everyone send prayers and send your energies, and yeah. hopefully that'll happen. I think that if it sells well enough, a console port, a port to everything is inevitable. Yeah, like Stardew Valley was the same thing. It was PC only for a while there, and then it just ended up on everything in the world. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a Switch port for every indie game under the sun is inevitable at this point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, given the new president seems to be a, a fan of Golf Story, I think that bodes well for future indie RPGs on the Switch. I think Stardew Valley sold well over a million copies on the Switch. Yeah, I think it's... I can't remember if it sold better on PC or Switch, but I think Switch was far and away the best console seller of all the all of them. Well, it helps that everybody likes playing on the Switch, and they just want mm. to play games on the thing. I was going to say the attach rate on the Switch is extremely high. Mm-hmm, which is really good. Um, I wrote a whole thing about like why the game just works so well on the Switch, so if you haven't read that, by all means, go ahead and read that. Yeah, so I think that I, I, the Switch has actually become kind of my Steam machine. <laughs> that's a good. That's a really good way to put it, because, uh, yeah, if you have those like little kind of sprite-based charming indie games, uh, it's like, oh, okay, I want this on the Switch. Yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to catch up with a lot of games. Um, uh-huh. Like, I got Night in the Woods on it. Oh, did you play that yet? I did. I just started it, basically. Oh, okay. Like, the, I went through the initial scene where you're at the bus stop and you don't have a ride, so you walk through the woods and then you go home. Yeah, yeah, because you kind of go home and your parents are like, oh, yeah, we, we we're supposed to pick you up tomorrow. It's like, no, Mom and Dad, you're supposed to pick me up today. And I had to walk through the scary-ass woods because they didn't pick me up. Yes, so far, I mean, I don't actually know that much about Night in the Woods, except that it has a kickin' soundtrack and some, like, nice art, and also, apparently, the gaze. It sure seems like, like, I can sure identify with the reluctance to go home. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get all personal on this podcast, but there's, there are the people who are, like, really, like, yay, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna see my mom and dad, and I talk to my mom and dad all the time. And then there are people like me who are like, oh, I guess I better go home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i love my parents uh they're great but i am kind of glad uh, i have my own life and i live over here with my husband and we have our own place uh i cherish that a lot yes i live halfway across the country and i have no intention of going back anytime soon but uh to, to my earlier point yeah i i expect that if eastward is enough of a success and based on its pedigree and the fact that it's already getting media coverage i expect it will be yeah. assuming it's good just because you get media coverage doesn't mean that you're good uh yeah, doesn't uh, mean that you're going to be a success if you're bad i'm looking at you where the water tastes like wine <laughs> yeah um i think hopefully we won't get another situation like that where you know it's like hey we have 27 writers uh did you play test the game oh we forgot to do that Whoops. Um, if it seems like this game Eastward has been in development for a little while, going by sure. um, the developers uh, Tumblr and Twitter, and of course Chucklefish. So far, their their record is pretty good. Yes, uh, they're one game. They're one game. Yeah, but <laughs> the, everything they do looks looks pretty charming. So I, I'm looking forward to more of their output. This game has just proved that I'm really shallow. 
Um, if a game has a really attractive art style, I'm in. Yeah, and, well, it, I think uh, I'm the same way. I mean, obviously, I'm really taken in by this art style, which, like, is it, it, what kind of attracts me to it is it's like an apocalyptic storyline, but it has a very colorful palette, even though you, ha you go through, like, the usual rusted buildings and, like, and what have you. It just, it's a very attractive-looking world for being so kind of dark. And uh, if there's good gameplay to go with that, and I, I have, have no reason to believe at this point that there's not, then... It, could be could be a pretty compelling little game. Similarly, if I don't like the art style, I'm out. <laughs> Can you, is there an example of an art style you hated recently? I hate all... There is a kind of... Well, first of all, I hate 2.5D-looking games. Like Secret of Mana, mm. the second I saw the screenshots for that game, uh, the remake, I was out. Right. That was hard out. I just wasn't going to... It's like, nope, it's ugly now. Not going to play it. Right. Um... So any anything that looks like that, any 2.5D side-scrolling game, any 2.5D overhead game, I, I realize it's cheaper to make. I realize right. that it actually it sells better because people are stupid. But <laughs> uh, this is not for me. And right. I don't like any of the games that look superficially okay, but in fact look like Flash games. Mm, right. And there's a very generic-looking kind of retro pixel art look that yeah. it feels like is applied to so many games, and I hate that. And yeah, yeah I, I know where you're coming with that. With the, with the, I know where you're coming from with that one. I can get over it, I guess, especially if the game is like flat out amazing. Right. But it's rare, and right. it's a hurdle that I would have to kind of overcome mentally. Um, yeah, like often I'll just I'll look at a screenshot and go, nope. <laughs> you just noping out. I'm noping right out, and. Maybe that's a really dismissive way of dealing with games and a really shallow way of dealing with games, but there are so many games out there that right. if it's ugly, I, I mean, I don't care. I mean, I kind of miss the days of the 16-bit the era where uh, there was this like really distinct kind of sprite art. Like There are so many different distinct styles of sprite arts, and every that's it felt like every studio had their own house style, and they were all really pretty to be honest and now everything's become a lot more homogenized right although i guess if i went back in time i'm sure people would say the same thing about like you know mascot based platformers of the 90s mm. uh so but i see where you're coming from although it's funny i'll be talking a little bit later about Raid and historia which is not a pretty game in the least but it's a game i'm i'm enjoying very much nevertheless so eastward however does have excellent art style and right. that game, it like the just the videos of that, just the announcement trailer of that was enough to set my soul on fire. So I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, it, it looks. It was a good trailer. It looks quite exciting, and even just like you can see, like how many distinct characters there are, and how many like individual animations they have like going on. So that's even though we don't know what's going to happen with this game one or the other, I think it's a really good sign. Second thought is, I mean, right there in like the first paragraph, they go. We really like Mother, and we really like Legend of Zelda, so we made a game that's kind of like both. And yeah. I'm just like, would it? Can we like stop referencing old games when we're talking about these games? Like, why does I? I get it. Like, you're you you have a point of reference. You yeah. are like having a baseline. You when you you contextualize it and say, yeah, basically we just made Harvest Moon again. 
people get that, right? right? And right. some design is timeless and people want to play that. And people were hungering for a good Harvest Moon because the original yeah, Harvest absolutely. Moon was so up its own ass. <laughs> and Are you making... talking about the SNES one? No, I'm talking about like DS. Like the, oh, right. the DS ones were like, well, we've sure run this formula into the ground. Let's have right. horrible touchscreen mechanics and also ugly graphics. And let's right, try to put right. this thing out on a budget. Oh, Stardew Valley actually put a lot of care and love into their game and had good art style and didn't try to like put in all this crappy extra stuff and also had like good exploration uh, and just went back to the core of what made Harvest Moon great. Oh, it ate our lunch. Great. It ate our lunch. <laughs> it stole our lunch money and kicked us down. I mean, must Natsume must be going, what the? God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? We've been making this game for a decade. I don't think it's ever sold a million copies either. Meanwhile, Stardew Valley's like, all the money. So it prints money. It prints money. But I no, I, I guess my point is is that I rolled my eyes just just a slight just a slight bit right. when they were like, It's super it's mother and also Zelda. Yeah, yeah, I get where you're coming from there. Um you're right, and that's a little bit different with Stardew Valley because a lot of people, you know, Stardew Valley uh Harvest Moon was still pretty niche, and as you say, a lot of people were like, oh my god, finally, a good Harvest Moon game. Uh, whereas, let's face it, Mother 3 and Zelda, uh, especially top-down Zeldas, are like kind of excellent on their own, so when you have a, that, when you have those like Mother and Zelda as a point of comparison, you're like, oh, okay, great, how are you going to top this? And speaking of what you were saying earlier about shallow 2.5D graphics... Uh, I hope you don't feel that way about uh, A Link Between Worlds, because... No, that game... You're talking about games that I got over my dislike of the initial screenshot, I played that game, and, well, first of all, it looks way better in motion than it did in just does, screenshots. Yeah. And second of all, it still had a sense of style and a certain amount of verve to it, and it was an attractive game, despite its particular art style choice. And I And it helped that it was just so much fun to play that I fell head over heels in love with it but yeah no like i i had to get over my initial like oh it's kind of ugly and they ruined the sprite based look of uh link to the past but this game's amazing i love it it's my second favorite zelda game okay yeah i i am a huge huge fan to the point that like i tried to play link to the past again i'm like you know what i kind of feel like playing link between worlds again and i did and i was like wow this game still holds up and i really really hope that uh, we get another one like it with uh, link's awakening indeed so Eastward, I don't know when it's coming out. I think it's coming out this year or something like that, but we'll definitely be covering it. All right, Nadia. So really quickly before we keep going. So you're still playing Radiant Historia. Why don't you give me an update on that? Oh, gosh. it's Here's a funny thing about Radiant Historia. Like, I can't even tell you how far I am because you do so much like traveling between these, two, these games, two timelines, that you really don't know how far you are. I feel like I'm making progress. Like, I, I'm like 30 hours in, maybe even more. I've just been kind of, like, picking at it when I have time. And, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to, like, go between the, the, the uh, timelines and save the world. And, you know, kind of, like, just say to uh, Stock and Rosh, oh, my God, why don't you two just get married already? Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm having fun. It's a, it's a rough game, though, like, sometimes. Not necessarily in a bad way, though. And, and I think uh, something we'll talk about a little bit more as we, like, talk a little bit about... Cosmic Star Heroine later on today is that... By the way, uh, we're talking about Cosmic Star Heroine. Surprise! <laughs> we love you, FYI. Um, yeah, so uh, the boss battles in Radiant Historia are, are pretty tough, but 
you know, you have to use all the strategies provided to you and all the healing items you can't exactly sit on, you got to use them. So it's a very intriguing game in terms of its storyline. I find it's got a really good political slash magical bent to it, a little bit like, um, here we go dropping names again, Suikoden, uh, which, of course, had that kind of really interesting mashup of, of fantasy and political uh, and politics. But unlike uh, Nino Kuni yeah. 2, this actually does resemble Suikoden. Yeah. <laughs> Although it doesn't try too hard to resemble Suikoden, it actually just kind of, it's like, hey, here's our story, and yeah, it mixes up the this, this uh, narrative of a, two kingdoms, or several kingdoms actually, at war, at a world that's on the verge of dying, so eventually you have to, as the main character, you have to come to the decision, well, what's more important, winning this war or saving the world, which is very much on the brink of total ruin. And I, I like stories like that. I like stories that let you kind of step back and look at the bigger picture and do something about it. What's your favorite video game story? Oh, gosh, that's a, like, that's a crazy-ass question to just kind of drop on me. <laughs> um, that's what I do. I still, to this day, and this is something I wrote about extensively quite recently, I still love Final Fantasy VI's story. I think it just, uh, mm. even though the second half of the game isn't entirely like the most perfect game to play, I find the fact that you have an apocalypse that you have to fight out of to be really, really intriguing, and you start on such a depressing note in the second half of the game, and you have to work your way up for that, uh, through that, and find your friends and learn and discover why the world is worth saving. Why is it worth, like, fighting instead of just giving up and letting Kefka just destroy everything? Hmm. You know, I, I'm sure that if I thought of this, I could think of, like, better story ideas. Like, I, I like the original StarCraft story, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but I think right now, like, the only thing that comes to mind right away is, I, I think, Shovel Knight, weirdly. It has a very, very simple but very interesting story. I find that, yeah, it does combine a really good story with really, really good characters. Like, I love the Plague Knight uh, DLC. I thought the post-credit post sequence actually got me, like, teary-eyed, and I never feel oh. anything when I'm playing a video game. Really? You never, you never like, ball at video games or anything no. like that? No. Really? Video games have bad stories. Well, sometimes. Almost universally. Yeah, they're all pretty bog-standard. I, I, I'm dropping a lot of truth bombs today. Just, <laughs> you call them truth bombs, but yeah. it's just like your opinion, man. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I just, I, I struggle to be interested in, in video game stories. I'm playing God of War as we speak. Mm. I mean, not right now, not literally right now, but I'm playing God of War. And uh, the story just, um, I'm just kind of plugging through it at the moment. <laughs> like Right, yeah. I feel almost nothing while I'm playing it. I'm just playing it because I feel like I'm expected to play it, and I'm admiring it from kind of a at a bit of a remove, I suppose yeah, you could say. Yeah, yeah uh, I see you're coming from there. Like, a technical standpoint is a mm -hmm. good game, but story-wise, I feel like, you know, even though I, I kind of like, you know, Kratos and the Sun and the, the, the dynamic going on there, it's okay, but it is trying a little bit too hard to make us, like, feel for them. And yeah. It, it, yeah, like, when I'm forced to feel something, I'm a little bit like, mm, later on, dudes. And I feel like, I know we've talked about this before, but the video game stories are, in fact, getting better. They're doing a better job of conveying real emotion and having interesting, actual kind of uh, narratives. And I, I think a lot of that is in indie. And much yeah. like summer blockbusters, AAA blockbusters, just 
they need to be as mainstream and action-oriented as humanly possible, so they struggle to have good stories, just in general. Right, right. I think a lot of RPGs default to anime cliches, I mean... Oh, God, do they ever. Look at Nino Kuni Um, 2. Yeah, And they're afraid to take any risks whatsoever, because they're selling a $60 game. Uh, So, anyway, Radiant Historia, please continue. (laughs) Oh, well, that was basically, like, I, I can't exactly say I'm weeping at the story or anything like that, but um, I find it definitely interesting enough to, to follow and to be like, oh, what's what's going to happen next? You know, you like the characters, you like the story. Um, DC Douglas does, mm. he voices a gorilla man, which I think is the, is, the voices are actually all actually really good in the game, and I just think DC Douglas as a sad gorilla is, like, just the best casting choice in the world. I'm okay mm. with that. I DC mean, Douglas was. I don't know who DC oh, Douglas is. He's. Um, I'm gonna like sound like a total child here, but there was a, a Transformer series called Rescue Bots, and it's literally for children. Mm-hmm. But it's a really well written, very cute, very fun series. And uh, DC Douglas voiced this vo- this very like uh, sort of static, serious robot named Chase, who's a police robot or police transformer. And so just to kind of. Just to kind of like compare the two, um, the two uh, roles are is interesting. Actually, I think he was in Suikoden. Sorry, not Suikoden. Uh, he was in Persona Five as well. I think he's uh, yeah, he's the the pervert king in the first uh, dungeon. The that he voiced him. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So DC Douglas has been around around the block of the voice animation thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, the uh, the voice actor for Stock is also, um, I can't remember the name of the character, Xavier Movius or Sandra Movius or something like that. Mm. I totally butchered that name, but like, uh, he's the guy who does the protagonist for Persona 5 too, so there's a lot of crossover going on. Yep, Persona 5, I actually am digging the story, I just think it's a little too long-winded. As another podcast would say, a little bonk-bonk in the head when it comes to his political (laughs) issues. What the hell? That's a great term, bonk bonk in the head. Who came up with that one? Well, this is a reference to a Star Trek episode called Miri, um, where there are these kids who won't age until they're teenagers, and then when they hit teenage, when they become teenagers, they rapidly age and die immediately. And Miri is a teenager that Kirk has the hots for, but let's just ignore that part, uh, who is on the verge of rapidly aging, and they're trying to find... I, I don't know, a solution for this, and they're all on, like, a studio backlot. It's a really bad episode. Don't watch that episode. <laughs> but there's a certain point where all the kids are going, bonk, 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 bonk on the head, bonk, bonk. Yeah, so that's a thing. What What were they bonking about? Um, I, forgive me, I don't know. But this podcast, <laughs> Mission Log, which goes through every single episode, when they want to... When they want to say that something is just really obvious and is really trying right. to push its message, it's a bit bonk bonk on the head. So okay, that's a very good term. I like that. Yes. So with, after that long-winded explanation, um, I will say that Persona Five clearly has an agenda, and I think that's cool. And it uh-huh. wants to say things about Japanese society, and I think that's cool. And I think a lot of its messages are universal. And I think uh-huh. it's kind of a little bit about speaking truth to power, and that's actually fairly. Uh, like not it like in a in a way that actually feels like it resonates with the right now. Okay, you're gonna love this comparison, and everyone's just gonna laugh, just gonna laugh and laugh and laugh at this comparison. So please forgive me. It reminds me of The Wire. Oh, now there's an interesting comparison. And here's why. Every season of The Wire is about some like different issue, uh-huh. like 
one season is about schools, another season is about unions, another season is about the media. Uh, and it goes through each of them and basically says, here's what's wrong with this. And that is essentially right. what the quest lines from Persona 5 are. That is totally Persona 5 because, you, you yeah, you kind of solve one problem, then you move on to the next. That Yeah, it's like to entering a totally different season. You haven't you haven't recruited Haru yet, have you? No, I don't know who that is. Yeah, you'll know when you see her. But that's a that's a dungeon that also kind of resonates with the. Uh, as you say, it was it is the whole game is very bonk bonk on the head. But I can't exactly fault it because it's not like this game is making up problems. There is no. <laughs> they are all very relevant, unfortunately. And it's obvious that the creator of Persona Five is like legitimately upset and angry about everything that's happened since Fukushima, and I don't blame him. Uh, I no, lived absolutely. there for three years. I mean, I saw their politics up close a little, uh, at least a little bit. And mm -hmm. let's be perfectly honest, Japanese politics are really messed up. And there's a, yeah. a lot of stuff going on there. So the fact that they made a video game about this, and it's like a mainstream RPG, is actually pretty remarkable. So I rescind mm -hmm. a little bit about of my all video game stories are bad um, comment. But uh, so anyway, moving <laughs> back... We always seem to go back to Persona. It's always, a, it's always about Persona. Radiant Historia, any further thoughts? Uh, no, but I will definitely check in with you when I uh, get closer to completing the game. Unless I'm Do you right think you're almost now. there? Do you think you're almost done? How, how many hours have you put into this thing? Uh, like I said, I put in about 30. And it's like, you, there's, there's, like a mil there's like over 280 like little kind of story nodes. Mm. And I've filled out, like I think, 180. And um, obviously, there's a lot of side. A lot of those nodes are just like side quests or like divergent quests or whatever. So I don't know how many are really vital to the main story and how many are just like you know, hey, go off on your own, and have fun. I mean, there's some story quests that actually I really do want to go back and, and finish because uh, number one, it affects the ending you get. Number two, they seem really interesting. Like there's this one with this uh, this soldier who's in love with this uh, beast woman quote-unquote character who is basically a, a satyr like she's uh uh like a, a goat person i guess and um she obviously wants to be with him but he uh she's like oh we can't do it like and there's a history there obviously and i just kind of want to find out what the story is about that i've always been kind of interested in the whole you know sort of forbidden love angle <laughs> i'm just thinking of bojack now <laughs> i never watched bojack i gotta watch it Bojack definitely has a scene of a dog man having sex with a woman. Yeah, that sounds about right for this t day and age. That show, I, the thing that I respect the most about Bojack Horseman is that it's all in, it's all in on its premise. Like, <laughs> it, it takes all of your unasked questions and answers them, and you go, I, I don't know if I really wanted an answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got, I got to give it shoutouts for that. I got to give it props. Oh, Bojack's an amazing show. I I love that show. It's so good, but it it sure did make like me a furry. Really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, Radiant Historia gets the, the kind of the Nadia seal of approval so far, huh? Yeah. So far, so good. Um, I'll let you know if that changes. I mentioned earlier that I was playing God of War, or trying to play God of War, and mm -hmm. instead I ended up playing Super Robot Wars, which I've had <laughs> on my PlayStation Vita for a year now, at least. I uh -huh. think SRWV came out a year ago, and, you know, I was so dismissive of SRWV 
when it came out because I was just like, oh, that's another side story, whatever. The only reason I'm yeah. getting it is because it's in English and I kind of want to play in a Super Robot Wars game in English because I've only played it in Japanese all these years. Right. So it's a nice change of pace. And uh, to my surprise, I like it. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's much better than a lot of the more recent Super Robot Wars games that I had been playing. I think I've been complaining that um, it's a series that's gotten all stale over the years. But Yeah, you have. Yeah. So anyway, Super Robot Wars, very basic primer. Um, it's been around since the early 90s, I believe. Um, right. It got its start on the Game Boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, and it was made by this other company. And forgive me, I don't remember what that particular studio is named. But they they did a lot of the original Super Robot Wars games all the way up until mm-hmm. the Super Nintendo. And those Super all those Super Nintendo games were very, very, very hard. Like, extremely oh. so. Uh, enemies that were impossible to hit. Enemies with tons and tons of hit points. Uh, right. Long missions. That they, they they were they were brutal and nasty games. And right. Uh, but the, the the main premise, going all the way back to the the Game Boy, has always been that a whole bunch of robots come together uh-huh. into one story. It's just this big fan fictiony mashup of yeah, all of these different fun, robot actually. series. It's like. What if Gundam and Mazinger and Get a Robo and Evangelion and every other mecha show you've ever heard of, everything is in Super Robot Wars. If there's been a mecha show, it has been in Super Robot Wars at some point. Even Voltron, that has in fact been oh, wow. in Super Robot Wars. That was the first one that I ever played, um, oh, cool. in fact. So uh, in traditionally, the core has always been one of the three major pillars of mecha, which would be mm-hmm. Mazinger which is the mm-hmm. first ever super robot, true Super Robot Wars show, or right. Super Robot show. Um, it's basically Big Mech fights Godzilla-type monsters that come from That's, out of uh, Mount Fuji. It's very Japanese. And that great. sounds really cool, but yeah, it's very Japanese. Uh, Get a Robo, which is the first combining mech show. Oh, really? So three mechs, or three kind of ships or mechs come together into one big mech. That was the uh-huh. first combining mech show, and then... Gundam, which was the first real robot show, and Gundam, <laughs> Gundam, like Gundam, even though you know it's a robot with a samurai head or whatever, and you know mm-hmm. is a toy-driven show, it's it always tried to be like, no, no, this is an actual more realistic war drama as opposed right, to right. fighting giant monsters or whatever. Just right. ignore the fact that we're fighting uh, a mech that looks like a big angry fish thing or something. <laughs> Yeah, they have a, they have some really interesting mechs stood in yeah. Gundam, like Tequila Water. The te- Tequila Gundam? That's it, yes. Yes, Tequila Gundam is a thing that exists. That that was from G Gundam, a kung fu yeah. tournament anime with giant robots in which all of the different nations have uh, have colonies, and it's all racial stereotypes. Yeah, Canada's was a lumberjack, if I recall. Yes, I think my favorite thing... Um, was they were hiding the G Gundam, the, the eponymous Gundam, in the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, so <laughs> it literally bursts out of the, the remains of the Statue of Liberty to fight oh, the American. Oh, we don't need that anymore. And the American, of course, is in a boxing Gundam that looks kind of like Rocky or something like that. It's, yeah. It's amazing. G Gundam, I strongly recommend it if you like Kung Fu Schlock. But, wow. Yeah, no, uh, so the calling cards of Gundam have always been... Um, it basically goes, okay, all these universes are together. How do we weave all of these stories? Right. Um, 
hey, these, this character dies in a show. Well, guess what? Now you can save that character. And, oh, cool. But only if you fulfill these specific conditions. Right. Um, the real robots, like the Gundams and the Macross units and the whatever, are mm. nimble and fast, where at, but don't hit very hard. Whereas the super robots are big and strong and can take a hit, but have very low evasion and, very, right. and aren't very good at actually hitting things. And so in the properly balanced Super Robot Wars game, you have the Super Robots dishing out massive amounts of damage, and you have the Gundams and such taking care of the little guys who are hard to hit. Right. right. And, of course, as all the heroes come together, all the villains also come together. Right. Which is always kind of fun. And so you have multiple concurrent storylines going on. You have tons of secret hidden unlockable mechs. Um, all the different shows um, combine in interesting ways, and then you have original protagonists who kind of serve as the backbone of the total story. And this has continued from the Game Boy to the Super Nintendo to the PlayStation uh, to the PS2 and right. now to the modern-day systems. It's been on practically every console. If you, if you can name a console, it's probably been on it. I'm just impressed that they got through like copyright hell to bring this all together. I know in Japan it's a little bit easier when you're talking about crossovers, but wow. I mean, that's the reason that Super Robot Wars has never really come over here. Right. That's uh, true. They made Super Robot Wars W, I think, with the intention of maybe it coming over to the U.S. and being localized, because a lot of the shows in that game were well-known to American audiences. Uh, Gundam mm -hmm. Wing was in it. Oh, God. Uh, Voltron was in it. Um there are, there are a few others that Americans would... It's also, it serves as a history of Mecca, and it's had a disproportionate effect on Mech culture in Japan, actually. Um, mm -hmm. They bring all of the original voice actors on the uh, in. <clears throat> so half the fun is, if you're a fan, is watching these characters interact with one another, with the original voice actors, um, and new lines and everything. It's great. Yeah, that actually it sounds a lot like Project Cross Zone, which, uh, again, is very <laughs> yeah. much the same idea, but just cracked out so much fun um if i sometimes mech designs that have appeared in super robot wars have gone on to become quote-unquote canon uh if i recall correctly there's a uh a, a version of mazinger called the mazenkaiser that was uh -huh. introduced solely through super robot wars and actually ended up getting its own show uh there's also an original unit and i believe it's called cybuster um mm -hmm. or cybaster it's a great sound has a great uh familiar theme song but it ended up getting its own it ended up getting its own show, and a lot of that is because Bandai Namco owns this. Bandai Namco is this giant sprawling toy company slash video game yes. company slash everything. They own like <laughs> half the shows that are actually yeah. in it, so that's why they can make the licensing work. Right, I guess yeah. If, if Bandai Namco says, "Hey guys, we're going to make this work," everyone's like, "Okie dokie." Yep, they've yep, had virtual on Transformers. Uh, no, that, that's that, not mech. So, no, no, Transformers. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they could. They put a lot of different shows that don't really count as mech shows oh, in really? Super Robot okay. Wars at this point. That so, question. Transformers could ask, could absolutely fit in, but they've never put it in there. They had freaking Zoids in there. Wow, I remember Zoids. I used to yeah. watch the cartoon. They had Zoids in there, but not Transformers. Can you believe that? That is very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some of the ones I watched when I was like younger and. Um. Yeah, you mentioned, like, Pat Labor and... Uh... Mm. Yeah, I think Pat Labor's been in there. Super Robot Wars also has... They have these standalone games, but they also have these kind of overarching epics. Right. So they have 
in on the Super Nintendo, they had like SRW one, two, and three, and then it, I think it concluded with, and then there were some remakes of those. So there was like the original trilogy or something like that. Yeah. And then with the PlayStation, you had Alpha, Alpha Gaiden, Alpha two, and Alpha mm-hmm. three, which culminated on the on the PlayStation two, and then it had Z, and that's when, and Z was amazing. It's probably like one of the two, two or three best Super Robot Wars games ever made, bar none. The the problem that they had with that one is, I guess the licensing costs and the development costs mm. started to get a little out of control. So they started splitting the games up in half, and that got to be a bit much, to be perfectly oh, honest. Yeah. The other yeah. problem was, it's it's a small thing, but the icons in the map they're just little head icons, and it didn't look particularly good on a TV because they. <laughs> <laughs> because they just wanted to have it on the Vita, but then they also ported it to the PlayStation. Oh, right, right, yeah. That, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's going to happen. So I beat all of the Super Robot War Z games up until 3. Mm-hmm. And by Z3, 3, 3, Z3, 2, part... <laughs> Super Robot War Z3, <laughs> part 2, I had been using that same, like, number of mechs so many mm-hmm. times that I was just sick of them. <laughs> Right. I yeah. There's only so many times that I could you like use that kind of collection of units. They take something on order of like sixty to seventy hours to beat a piece. I can't right. do this. I cannot do this again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it, man. I can't go back in there. I, I another calling card of the series is it's pretty. Did I mention mm. I'm shallow? Just a bit, but you know what? If you're talking about a, a game where giant robots are kicking the crap out of each other, you kind of want it to look cool. Uh, every time I think about, and then I watch a trailer, and I'm back in. <laughs> they have these cut-ins where they bring in original animation of the characters doing things or talking. Uh, and they're really, really, really big super attacks. Just look friggin' amazing. I'm sorry. They look great. That's one of the reasons they, know they how to, play They know it. how to snare you, Cat. They do. They do. I just... I put on the music, and the music is always very catchy, and that's something that I look for in a game. A catchy soundtrack. I, they have really pretty graphics, and I can watch this on freaking loop all day long, and I have. Oh, yeah, no kid. by the sounds of it, you have, and I was actually about to ask you, has there ever been, like, a Power Rangers in there? No, because that's sure. different. Those aren't, no Sentai, Sentai is not a okay. thing. It's like, Kamen Rider has actually had its own, like, the Sentai games have had their own mashup crossover stuff. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. I, wonder, I wonder if any of those have come west. Probably not. No. I like Kamen Rider and that kind of stuff, which, which is fine with me because I'm not really into Sentai. Um, I, I'm so so. You know, Power Rangers had a, a, a couple of good seasons. I had the biggest crush on Tommy when I was young. So. <laughs> me too. And you know who's. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else. Yeah, Everyone did. Tommy made me straight. Um, <laughs> uh, so that should be the name of the episode. <laughs> Tommy made me straight. Yeah. Uh, you, you know who the biggest uh, Sentai fan on the, on the staff is? Who's that? Mike. I was about to. I was about to guess. Let me guess, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mike is like the most Japanese. Like, uh, uh, he's he's the most knowledgeable about Japanese culture amongst us. I it's think. because he lived in Japan when he was young. I didn't know that. Yeah, his dad was stationed in Yokohama, and he was a oh. military brat. Oh, okay. I didn't know Secret that. origin story of Mike Williams. Um, so, I have to imagine that he was exposed to some of these cartoons mm-hmm. and such uh, growing up. But and. Like radiation poisoning. Yeah, I mean, every year for like years, he's been like, "Oh, this weekend I'm going to be helping out with Otakon. 
Like, yeah, he is yeah, a major helper over at Oticon in Baltimore. So. Yeah. But I digress. In, in any case, I've been playing this series for like 10 years. And when I lived in Japan, uh, it was my way of learning Japanese. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about Mecca when I started playing this series. But I was so... I was so entranced by the animations and I was just having such a good time with it that I started watching the shows and that's how I got into right. it. And I really, really liked the Gundams. <laughs> what is it about Gundams in particular that they look that cool. Like? The art is awesome. Really? Like the, the designs are awesome. I love the designs. What can I say? Like I saw the gun, I saw the mechs from Gundam wing. I'm like, these things are awesome. I love them. <laughs> Is that why, I don't know if you remember a while back, I put up on my Facebook that, that video of Hero ripping up that invitation by, yes. from Rolena? Yes. And you you, sent a, you just you just left a little heart icon. Yes. <laughs> even, even though, like, the whole point is young people have no idea what's up with that, stream, that, with that scene because they've never seen Gundam Wing. Gundam Wing is the most insane show. And I, like I alluded to it last week when I was talking about Nino Kuni 2. Where Gundam Wing is basically like at the end of the show, they actually unite the world and disarm. And it's right. It's just like, okay, hey, sure, okay. fine. Yeah, sure. uniting not? the world with the power of Gundams. Why not? Okay. Well, at least they had Gundams, not like Evan Petty Whisker or Dildrum or whatever his name was. Interestingly enough, uh, in the past few years, all of a sudden, for some reason, Bandai Namco has started localizing all of their games. So even though they're not technically being released in America, you can buy a copy in Asia, an Asian version, mm-hmm. and import it, and it will be in English. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, but uh, I guess it's one way to get around the whole uh, copyright hell thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know why they're doing it, because the audience for Super Robot Wars is surpassingly small, and I feel like I'm alienating my audience of this podcast just by talking about it for this long. Well, we've talked about Gundams too. Yes, I suppose so. But yes, but they're doing it and I appreciate it. Even though the localization, uh, like the, the first localization they released for Super Robot Wars Original Generations was one of the worst localizations I've ever seen. <laughs> really? That's, that's a long ass list to contend with. It was like, it was garbled. It was just gobbledygook. <laughs> like I could not that's make actually. heads or tails of whatever the hell they're saying. Uh, I almost didn't get the English version of Super Robot Wars V. Super Robot Wars V, until X came out this past week, V was the most recent game. V and X are very similar. They're both standalone games, as far as I can tell. I, I, they seem to have they they seem to have different stories. Right. I, I don't think X is a sequel to V. And the, I was critical of V initially because this is what they always they often do this with Super Robot Wars is in between major sagas they start releasing a handful of just standalone game often they're okay but they also recycle a ton of assets and they're doing it again with v and x um they are reusing assets from the z series because lord knows they spent a lot of time putting together these animations and they need to get the maximum amount of use (laughs) out of them get their money's worth man well what they do is they reuse a whole bunch of shows but then they also insert a whole bunch of new ones and they always have at least one that you go ooh. (laughs) <laughs> whoa what, hook one. Wait, what, the, what this one's in it oh my god i might actually have to buy this one yeah you're like oh i'm not gonna bother Ooh. so super robot wars x like i look at this series list and i'm like eh but for mm-hmm. some people stuff like nadia the secret of blue water is just enough 
just enough to drag him back in. It, with me, it was Super Robot Wars B. It was Yamato. They put Yamato in oh, it. Oh, crap. Who's that from again? Super uh, Space Battleship Yamato. It's um, oh from the 1960s. A, a space battleship is journeying to the planet of Iskandar to save Earth from right. radioactive asteroids, which is an allegory for nuclear bombs. Very nationalist. <laughs> Yeah, there's, um, you will find, for obvious reasons, a lot of, like, kind of, uh, nuclear-themed uh, stuff in Japanese fiction, and like I said, there's there's a reason why. Yeah, so, yeah, so that was enough to draw me back in, and, man, they just killed it in terms mm-hmm. of depicting the Yamato with the music and the, and the animations and everything, and I was just like, I'm into this, yeah, this. <laughs> But I was having a hard time kind of really getting into it because there's always a point early on in the games. They always start really slowly. Mm-hmm. And as you're getting the units together, inevitably there are some missions where it's like you're going to be playing with units you don't care about. Right. And in my case, there's this, like, some 90s, early 90s super robot <laughs> show called the Brave Express Might Gain. And I'm like, I don't care about these guys. Why am I playing with them? <laughs> Anything to do with the super robots, I don't care about. I wish that I could just... I, I just, I skip them every time. Every Super Robot Wars game has, like, route splits so that you can go, uh-huh. so do you want to do the Gundam storylines or do you want to do the everything else storylines? And I'm like, Gundam, 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 span the Gundam. <laughs> and there are people who are, like, allergic to Gundam and go the other way. And it's great. Different strokes for different folks. But yeah. I'm always trying to get to the point in the game where I'm playing, like, where I have everybody together and I can pick the units that I want to build my right. team and then I have right. fun. It's great. And the, by the yeah. end of the game, it's so satisfying because it's this turn-based tactics game. I probably should have mentioned that earlier. It's a turn-based <laughs> tactics game where you're building up, um, you're building up your power through the end of the map, and by the end of, and you're trying to save your resources for as long as possible until right. you get to a particular boss, and then you just pop off all of your different super attacks, mm-hmm. and they. That's fun just look amazing and you're just going in they take off like 50,000 uh hit points and it's amazing so <laughs> yeah so you, it just kind of built up to that climax it does so the upshot of all this is what game should you play if you're trying to get into super robot wars and the correct mm-hmm. answer is either x or v which system was that for again the playstation vita and the playstation okay. 4 oh there you go so they're very accessible uh, you can get them off Amazon.jp, um, or you can just download them on the PlayStation Network. Though I think you have mm. to have, I think you have to have a credit card or something like that. Um, mm. I would occasionally just buy gift cards and put them into PSN so that I could buy stuff. But yeah, so they're relatively easy to get because PS Vita and the PlayStation Four are region free, and you can, and they're in English. So just make sure you get the Southeast Asian version. Right. Uh, as opposed to getting the Japanese version. And it, it will say, like, if whether or not it's in English. And those are the ones to play. And as for whether you should start with B, um, basically, if you are really into, like, the idea of playing with, say, Nadesco, Gundam 00, Full Metal Panic, uh, Yamato 2199, Evangelion, there you go. Super Robot Wars V. And if you really want, like, Garen Lagan or uh, Code Geass or Gundam Wing, then get X. It's really just down to what shows do you want. 
Yeah, it's actually just going by the sound of it. Uh, the accent might even be more appealing to Westerners because I just feel like I recognize those uh, those uh, robots a lot more clearly. I'm traveling next week. I'm going to the UK. I'm going to be on a long plane trip, and I did not anticipate bringing my Vita. I, in fact, anticipated bringing my Switch, and I really want this game on the Switch. I want these games on the Switch. More than most games, I want them on the Switch because it. right now, you can buy both versions, and they have cross-save, and so you can just go, oh, now I'm going to play on the, the PS4. But that's also quite expensive, and I don't want to do that. Right. Um... Plus, the Switch has a much better, bigger screen than the Vita. Mm-hmm. And uh, these beautiful attacks just cry out for a much bigger screen. <laughs> they cry out to be to break free from the Vita screen. But I, I feel it. Super Robot Wars V, it has its hooks in me. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to like really get into it. And I'm like, God damn it. I mean, because it's good. It's, it, it's good. Like It goes back to the isometric point of view rather than just the boring overhead map with some icons. Right has really good music. Um, it has a lot of shows that I really like. It seems to move at a relatively good clip. It dramatically uh, dramatically expands the, the robot customization element in the way that you acquire skills because every unit has like unit-specific skills and you can acquire them and you can attach them. It's actually quite deep. It's quite a deep RPG, mm-hmm. all things considered. And you can do things like Pilots have special like stats and abilities, and you can move units, pilots to different units, and uh, so that's another reason I like it. It's not just a shallow. Oh, I'm just playing through this, whatever. Like the graphics are pretty. Like I think I would have yeah. bounced off this game a long time ago if it were. Yeah. Like, but it's actually relatively like there's a lot to it. Right. All things considered, and I love all the secrets. I mean, there's so many secrets, so many secret missions that you can unlock. Mm-hmm. If you're a big fan of a particular show, like. Uh, it's so much fun to try and get the secret attacks or the secret um, secret units, and it's often like fairly difficult to do. I mean, if you go on, there's this wiki that covers like every Super Robot Wars game. So if you're looking for like help, I would strongly recommend yeah, going to it. Yeah. It's called Akurasu.net. And I'm just looking at the secret list for Super Robot Wars V, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this is huge. There's so much <laughs> to do. Like they have an entire flowchart wow. of like secrets that you can unlock. <laughs> That's how you know you're in some serious business, when they give you a flowchart. Yeah. I mean, realistically speaking, I, I mentioned that Super Robot Wars Z is probably one of the best ones. I've only played half that game, because I finished mm. it. I played through it in its entirety. There's an entire second route that you can play through that is basically half of the game. And I, I, I had a blast with both routes. It, it was a lot of fun. It was a great game. It's just, And I've always meant to kind of go back and play through the other route. But I'm also a busy lady. Yeah, you, you very much are. Although, um, I guess you should bring both your Switch and your Vita, and hopefully not lose them both at the same time. Man, don't, that is the darkest timeline. That is the total darkest timeline. I'm sorry, knock on wood. Yeah, no, I'm going to bring my Switch and my Vita, and I guarantee that I will only end up playing one game, and I guarantee that I will, like, I'll bring my Vita and they'll end up playing SRWV for the entire trip. And not even look mm-hmm. at my switch, and then go. <laughs> Poor switch. Oh well, okay. Well, that was a complete waste of time to bring with me. <laughs> Just kind of lug around. Do you have a, a carrying case for it at least? I oh have yeah, a carrying case for mine. I totally do. Yeah. All right. So if you have any questions about Super Robot Wars V, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot, or leave a message on the show notes. 
And man, I should really just put in a, an extra little note before this episode. Hey, we talk about Super Robot Wars for a stupid long time. If you don't want to listen to it, fast forward. All right, let's get going. Yes, but we also talk about Tommy and the Power Ranger, though, so you got to put in a timestamp for that. <laughs> All right, Nadia, we're like an hour in, but I promised, yes, goddammit, that we were going to wrap up Cosmic Star Heroin. This is it. The Cosmic Star Heroin report ends today, which, uh, interestingly enough, is timed very well because Cosmic Star Heroin is now on the PlayStation Vita. Yes, it is. And I guess it's as good a time as any to say, you know, I didn't get to finish it. I don't think you got to finish it. And even though the game has its flaws, um... I would still say, by all means, grab it on the Vita. I don't know if the port's any good. I haven't really read or heard one way or the other. But uh, for all its problems, I still enjoyed it. And I think both you and I agree on the main problem, and that is the later battles in particular become just crazy long because these enemies are damage sponges in an insane way. Are they? Yeah. Um, I don't know how far you got. I, basically I don't remember, beat- to be honest. You don't remember? Yeah. Did you beat Director Steel? Do you know? Did Arte Arte uh, go rogue on you? No. Okay. Yeah. Basically, um, I beat Director Steel. He kind of congratulations. His... Oh, thank you. He did. Yeah, he did. He totally did. He merged his DNA with some sort of weird bat thing, and what so, a jerk. Uh, I took I took him on. Yeah, he was a bit of a jerk. And then Arte uh, kind of grabbed the I can't remember what it's called the Lumina device, Luminous device, mm. and uh, she was. They say she's controlled by it, and that's why she, her, you know, she betrayed us. But the point is, she's not in my party anymore, and uh, she has gone rogue. And oh my gosh! I haven't had a chance to finish it. What did you think of it ultimately? Um, like I said, I would easily recommend it, but I feel like it could really, really benefit from some tweaks. Number one, like we've talked about the the damage sponge enemies. Um, one of the reasons I brought Raiden Historia a little while back is because. Yes, that is a game with enemies that are very, uh, very much damage sponges, but they also, it's also a game where the strategies you use against these enemies actually matter. I feel like no matter what party uh, makeup I have in Cosmic Star Heroin, these battles still are a slog. Whereas mm. in a game like Radiant Historia, uh, how you use your buffs, how you use your debuffs, uh, what party members you use, that, that matters a lot. Um, so that that's probably my main complaint about this, the game. And I guess my second complaint is that I feel like the story goes off the rails yeah. about maybe three quarters in. It is an anime. <laughs> Would you say it's kind of anime? I mean, just a little bit. A little bit. And, I mean, I don't want to imply that I didn't like the characters because I, I really did like, I do like the characters. I feel like they have some interesting quirks. Like, I like the fact that there's a ghost lawyer who comes from a species where they die once and they're reborn as, like, protoplasms in suits. I think that's really, really neat. I like the fact that there's a, an insect who's not, like, a typical hive mind, you know, hail the mother bee or whatever, like, you know, brainless schlub, which you usually get in sci-fi. He's actually got his own personality and his own, like, concerns and, and what have you, even though he is very close to his hive. Um, I kind of like Finn, just because the fact that he's basically uh, Alyssa's third cousin just kind of existing in the background of the whole thing. <laughs> uh, so I 
do like the characters. I do think I visited some interesting locales. I just feel like maybe not enough was done with the locales, and maybe there were too many characters. And even though, as I said, I didn't really find a, a really perfect party that made me click and say, okay, this is how I get through these battles quickly. This is how I, I get things done. I think the main problem, the reason why these battles are so so long, is because of the hyper system. Which, yes, you do have characters who can fill up their hyper quite quickly, but a lot of them don't. Like, a lot of them you're looking at three to four turns, and then that's your chance to really go in for a big attack. And if you go in before then, you're just wasting your time, you're wasting this move that you have to, like, you know, recharge to use again most of the time. So there are some issues with the balancing, there is some issues with the pacing, and I don't, if, if Robert Boyd is listening to this, um, hi, um, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not trying to be mean. I did like Cosmic Star Heroine quite a bit, and especially for an indie game. I realized the, the, the time and the effort that goes into it, and a lot of the part, a lot of the game is quite successful, and I did enjoy it very much, but I feel like those, those points that I bring up kind of just drag it down a bit, and hopefully if there is a Cosmic Star Heroine too, and I really hope there is, um, you're able to address them in, in, in that upcoming game. I seriously doubt there will be a Cosmic Star Heroine too. Do really? Oh yeah, I mean, well, first of all, they don't have much of a track record of really doing sequels. I mean, they That's true. they made a sequel to the Penny Arcade game, but that was mostly to finish right. it up. Um, and they just seem to like to do different things. And also, it seems like Cosmic Star Heroine almost killed Robert. <laughs> yeah, I, I seemed to like really kind of take it out of him physically and spiritually. I mean, it was a very ambitious game, and yeah. I get the real sense that they feel like they bit off more than they could chew. Right. And, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, making any game is pretty punishing. So, it is. But in, in terms of Cosmic Star Heroine, I, I suppose that some of what I will say is, from a positive standpoint, I think the graphics aren't generally very good. Um, yeah. I think that the little animated cutscenes in between uh, that highlight a lot of the different characters, especially the dance scene near the beginning of the game, the concert scene, is excellent. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a beautiful game. Uh, it, I would go as far as to say that while it doesn't match up to Suikoden quite, because Suikoden is one of the best 2D... Or, I mean, two, Suikoden just has some really wonderful mm-hmm. sprite-based flourishes, right? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. And Cosmic Star Heroine kind of does a similar thing, right? I think that the characters are all unique and fairly interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the boss battles are relatively enjoyable, and I think that there's a like a good flow to the battles for the most part. Right. Uh, I think that the planets are all very interesting to look at. I like that right. they're like little secrets to have. I like that it is very straightforward in the way that it does yeah. things. I think it does a good job of explaining its mechanics for the most part, even though there are a lot of systems involved, and they're all pretty complicated, all things considered. Yeah, and... It feels like sometimes they're not really utilized uh, perfectly. Like I brought up the the party composition earlier, and how I just couldn't find a really p- good party that I loved. And yeah, to be fair, the game does kind of force you to use one character over the other for story purposes a lot of the time. But e- even when I had free reign, I was like, yeah, I can't really find a good party that makes me go through this game really like like I really like makes me feel like I'm really sailing through this. Yeah, I think maybe the reason that I ultimately kind of bounced on this game. Is that it's, I think it's a taste thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of people who like very straightforward JRPGs with a minimal amount of customization. 
Um, and this is kind of in the traditional spirit of the JRPG. Or like, say, like, I think of Final Fantasy IV, for example. It's Right, right. Yeah, like, you actually have more customization options than Final Fantasy IV in this game. But for the most part, like, everything is unlocked fairly linearly. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some items that you can equip that can change out the different skills and that kind of thing that party building does in fact matter. But for the most part, like, once I, f- I, I didn't have a lot of impetus to experiment, I felt like. Once I found right. my party, I was pre- I felt pretty set. I, I suppose right. once new characters start, as new characters came in, I was like, oh, I want to try this character and see how they fit in and like just try to change things up a little bit. But inevitably, I would always go back to the flow that I was most comfortable with. Right. And I I think the game kind of encourages you to do that. Okay, yeah. Um, One thing you didn't mention that actually I should mention as well is the music's fantastic. Oh, yeah. The music is outstanding, for sure. Like, that is a huge positive. And I kind of found myself rocking it out, rocking out to it on Spotify more than once. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, I am not ashamed to admit. And actually, just a quick divergence here is uh, I think this uh, HyperDuck is doing the music for Eastward, too. Ooh, okay. So that should be that should be cool. Oh, that's excellent. I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, yeah. So I think maybe one of the biggest turnoffs for me it was as you were going through a dungeon uh, and you were fighting the battles, I always went through the same, basically, dial-a-combo. I call it, okay, I would yeah. call it a dial a combo. <laughs> I love that term, but yes, I know what you mean. Where I just like, I know exactly what I'm going to do every single time. And it's not like, I like, I suppose I like RPGs where if I get into an encounter, um, I can end the encounter really fast. Like right. Chrono Trigger, I get into an encounter, I do, you know, one dual tech and boom, everybody's dead. Right? Right. Or maybe it's a little more involved in that. Maybe, like, in Persona, uh, you'll run into an enemy and you go, oh, this combination of enemies. Well, if I do this, okay, they're dead really fast. Yeah, right. Exactly. And if you don't do it right, you can end up getting really screwed up and die. But for the yes. most part, once you figure out the secret, boom, they're gone. Uh, right. There's more variance, I think, in the enemies of Persona and um, Chrono Trigger and a lot of these other games. So you have to really think about, like, how you approach them. Whereas in Cosmic Star Heroine, I can just do the same thing over and over and over again, and inevitably, I will always win. Yes, some enemies have different weaknesses, different strengths and different weaknesses, but really, what it just means is that one party member will do a lot more damage than another. One thing that does kind of bother me about Cosmic Star Heroine, and again, bringing up up Radiant Historic, just because it's on my mind, uh, even though it's a game that doesn't have random encounters, it's really hard to avoid encounters that are there, whereas... uh, a game like Raid and Historia, if you don't feel like battling your 50 millionth goblin, you can whack him with your sword and run past without a problem. Uh, whereas Cosmic Star Heroine, as you said, these battles can be quite long, and you're pulled into, I'd say, like 90, 98% of them. Yeah, so that's one of the disadvantages of having the enemies right there on the screen, kind of Chrono Trigger yeah. style, is that you can end up being drawn in without wanting to. Yeah, yeah. Although even Chrono Trigger had, um, especially as you get more familiar with the game, it has encounters that yeah, you absolutely can't avoid. But it does have some that you that you can. And Cosmic Star Heroine, I don't think the ratio for that, like avoidable battles versus battles that you get pulled into, is very good. This is what I'll say. I think I would have finished it if I were playing it on a handheld system. Mm, so there, there you have that Vita uh, release to uh, 
to pop, I suppose. No, nah, I'm waiting for the Switch version. Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, I would prefer it on Switch. <laughs> and it's uh, it might happen. We, I think we talked about that, didn't we? It's uh, They're considering it. Yeah, I, I think they said that it was more or less going to happen, probably. Yeah, more or less going to happen, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good way of putting it, but at this point, I can't imagine being an indie developer and not making a big effort to put your game on the Switch, so... Hurry before uh, it gets full. Yeah, before the Switch fills It's up. already almost too late. There's so many games coming out every week at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm it's not Steam worried. level, but... Oh, God, no. The st- discoverability is already becoming a problem. Yeah, I hope that Nintendo works on that, but uh, mm-hmm. I guess we'll see as the as the years and months go on. Yeah, I I think that they're not going to, but <laughs> you don't think so? No, I I'll be pretty surprised if they address it in a meaningful way within the next year or so. And in the meantime, uh, it's going to become like a critical problem. Yeah, I guess that's just the uh, the lament of the or lament or however you pronounce it of the indie developer just getting noticed as usual is the hardest thing. Yeah, I would never become an indie developer. No, you guys, my hats are my hats off to you. I don't wear hats, but my hats off to you. Yes, I will also throw. I will also put my non-existent hat into the air on your behalf. <laughs> I tribute yes. to your efforts. I I respect indie developers, and I think there's a lot of blood, sweat, passion that go into these games. And absolutely, I just. But at the same time, like I don't know, like it's too unstable, and. Mm-hmm. It really sucks to not to put all of that effort into a game, your heart and soul into a game, and it just disappear into the yeah. churn. I mean, I have that happen with my articles on the internet all the time. Oh, every day. Yeah. Every day. I, I write something. Oh, I'm proud of this. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> I'm very proud of this. Oh. oh it did how gone. much traffic? Okay. Moving on. Is that a two? Like, is there a zero after that, too? No, that's a two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. So, hey, yeah. So, in, in terms of... I, I I don't know that I'm actually going to get it on the Switch because I feel mm. like I've maybe gotten as much as I kind of want out of Cosmic Star right. Heroine, ultimately, and I have too many games to play. I would say that... This is just a personal thing, honestly. I'm so damn lazy. <laughs> 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 Turning it on um, my computer felt like work. Oh, did you have it on Steam or did you have it on something else? I have it on Steam. Okay, I have it on PlayStation Four, and uh, although it's the same thing, where like you have to like play it on a big TV, and maybe someone else is using that TV. So, yeah, I can see why having it on the Switch would be such a boon for the game. Yeah, I'm just much more likely to grab my Switch, turn it on, start playing it for a little bit. And Cosmic Star Heroine is a great. I think that it fits very well for a portable game because it's very pick up and play, put down, move on, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, one really great thing I can say about the game is that you can save pretty much anywhere. And I love games that do that. So many games don't do that. I don't know if games are on crack these days, but I just want to save forever. Yeah. So Cosmic Star Heroine, um, yeah, we ultimately didn't finish it. And maybe that's an indictment of us. Maybe it's an indictment of... Cosmic Star Heroine, but I know that a lot of people liked it, and I think it, there's yeah. a lot to recommend it. Um, I think that at the end of the day, it's what it wants to accomplish. It doesn't quite accomplish what it was trying to do with its battle system. Right. I think there is such a thing as it was. I think they're really. I think that team is outstanding at designing battle systems, and they're always trying to subvert RPG norms. 
and maybe they went a little too far, ended up with something that was just maybe slightly less satisfying than what they were attempting. Right, but there's always, even if we don't, even if we don't get a cosmic star heroine too, there's always next time. Admittedly, it's supposedly if you play on Secret Agent, which is the highest difficulty level, apparently it's that's apparently when it really sings. Right. Okay. I can. I can. I can. Uh, I can definitely see that. Um, so if you want to lose in every single uh, random encounter, <laughs> go it's for the way it, to man. go, right? Yeah, that's why. Like overall, like even though I didn't finish it, I would. St- I would still recommend it. Mm-hmm. I still had a good time with it. It's. It's. It is quite short. I feel like yeah. I was very close to the end, and I clocked maybe twelve hours. Oh yeah, it's quite a short game. Um, and so, I think yeah. that is another thing to recommend about it. You're not going to put a ton of time into it, so... Yeah, and as you say, it's a very straightforward RPG, other than the battle system gets a little bit too complicated for its own good, but uh, I'll tell you this much. No, 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 complication. Complication is not the word that I would say. I think complicated battle systems are not a bad thing. I think it's just... I think the repetition ends up bringing it down. Right, maybe... uh, Sorry, the word maybe I meant to use was a little overambitious, like a little Mm. too... A little, a little too ambitious for what it accomplishes. I don't even know about that. I just, I think that what it's trying to accomplish is, I, I don't know. I think it just has specific ideas about how to say approach the way abilities are reused. Right. Because the way it works is you use an ability, you've used its charge, and you need to like stop, and then you're trying to time out the abilities so that they work out together and it synergizes. But the natural yeah. result of that is that you do the the cycle. You you end up in right. the loop, and the loops get tiresome after a while. Yeah, especially since um, I was playing on like normal difficulty, but even with these these enemies that had like you know fourteen thousand hit points, I never really felt like I was in danger. No, it was just as you say, like loopy loop de loop. Yeah, I don't think I died very often in that game, but I was also playing on. I was also basically playing on normal, so. I wasn't playing yeah. on Secret Agent. In, uh, so I was playing on probably the most accessible difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, I, I would recommend checking out some of the other Z-Boy games. Um, and check out Cthulhu Saves the World. It's a pretty good one. I should, I should really give that a try, yeah. Cthulhu Saves the World. I, I played that game for the first time, and I laughed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. And actually, the, the first Penny Arcade game is also really good. Yeah, I heard good. I heard great things about it. I never got to play it though. Yeah, no, that one is much more Grandia. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a combination of Grandia and Final Fantasy XIII, and every encounter is bespoke and like actually really interesting. And it does right. not have nearly the same repetition issues as Cosmic Star Heroine. Right. So if you can stand the if you can stand the Penny Arcade stuff, then you totally should check it out. <laughs> All right. So that is the end of the Cosmic Star Heroine report. Boop, boop, boop. Yay, confetti. Yeah, we did it. I mean, we've managed to finish the other ones. So let's find another game that we should be playing, Nadia, and maybe this one we'll actually get through. Yeah, um, maybe. Heck. But, oh my gosh, Nadia, I'm not going to be here. No, you are not. You are going away. You are leaving us. Yep, I'm quitting. Okay, see ya. Yep, I'm going away forever. So we're going to have a special guest taking over the podcast while I'm away, so please look forward to that. And... Uh, yeah, Axe of the Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Make sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, <clears throat> drop us a line. If you like our podcast, we love to hear from you. It keeps us going on a weekly basis because, I mean, it does take work to actually make this thing. 
Mm-hmm. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore catbot, Nadia at Nadia Oxford, and read all the stuff on the internet. Um, we just uh, see Avengers Infinity War just came out. Uh, Nadia, are you going to go see it? I'm seeing it on Sunday at Ass O'Clock because it was the only tickets I could get. Ass O'Clock? I love that. Is that like the midnight hour? Is, it's like 10.30 p.m. No, I'm going to go see it on Sunday. Um, I managed to uh, basically crash uh, another person's group. <laughs> Oh, good job. Yeah, um, I was I just see. like, oh, Avengers, you're going to go see Avengers. I'm so jealous. And they were like, why don't you come along? And I was like, I think I will invite myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> you were supposed to say no. Oh, crap. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go see it on 3D IMAX at the Metreon on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, quick question. Can you can you view 3D movies? Because I can't really do it with like putting my thing or putting the 3D glasses over my regular glasses. Unless I have my contacts, which I I kind of got to get new pairs. But what about you? Like you can see 3D like without glasses or? It's not ideal, but I can in fact put them over my glasses and have it work. Okay. Yeah. I don't, 3D is my least favorite thing and I wish we weren't going to a 3D showing, but I didn't get to choose this because my ticket is being covered. So. Oh, okay. Well, free ticket. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. We actually have a guide to the history of every major hero in Avengers Infinity War on the site. Just go check that out. I, I found the video game history is really interesting. Do you know that the Hulk's first video game was in fact an adventure game for the Apple II? Oh, really? Oh, yeah, man, so like Apple a command-based action game. It's not something you would associate with the Hulk, would it? Is it? No, absolutely not. Uh, would you tell, like type Hulk smash really fast? I mean, like... basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was a joke. The Apple II was my first computer, so that's like really cool. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. My first computer yeah. was a 386-16. Oh, wow. 16 megahertz of power. That is all the power. I actually, yeah, grade four was when I used the Apple II, and mm. my first task was to write a uh, fan fiction about uh, Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, go check out that. And we got some other stuff on the site. Uh, Nadia, or sorry, Katie. Katie, not Nadia. Yeah. Um, Katie wrote a pretty interesting article about God of War prestige games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I got a lot of God of War coverage on the site this week. Um, so uh, we hit all different angles. Okay, anyway, so I'm out of here. I will see you guys in a couple weeks. And please look forward to our special guest host in a week. But Nadia will be here. And, you know, I promise uh, that they probably won't be talking about Super Robot Wars for 30 minutes. But <laughs> You can't make any promises, though. All right, for Nadia and myself, thanks for listening. Until next time, happy adventuring.